Welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 408. My name is Minter Dial and I'm your host for this podcast. First, I'd like to give a quick shout out and thanks for putting up a five-star review for the show to Sarah Fries on iTunes. Please do consider to drop in your rating and don't forget to subscribe to catch all the future episodes. As for this week's interview, it's with Yatunde Hoffman. Yatunde is a portfolio non-executive director, speaker, advisor, founder of Solaris, as well as the author of the new book, Beyond Engagement, The Value of Love-Based Leadership in Organizations, which came out in August 2020. In this conversation with Yatunde, with her background in HR and major global corporations, we discuss how and why to bring the concept of love into the workplace, even into the boardroom. We look at what is love? How does it translate into work? What is tough love? and many more very powerful notions. You'll find all the show notes on minterdial.com. Now for the show. Yetunde Hoffman. <laughs> As Hi. we were just talking before, I'm trying to pronounce that correctly. Great to have you on the show. Thank you. You are the author of a book that really I, I was fascinated by. I've had the chance not only to read it, but to talk about it with other people. It's called Thank Beyond you. Engagement. Yes. Love-based leadership in organizations, which you published in the midst of all this fun and game. <laughs> yes, the, indeed. In, your, in your own words, how'd you like to describe yourself? Well, you know, Minta, I just love nothing more than helping people and organization get the very best out of all of who they are. And the reason why I say all, that means what's and all, your strengths, your weaknesses, um, everything. I believe that when we are operating at our very best, it's amazing what we can create. And it just gives me great pleasure. It inspires me to, to bring all my talent and hope and skills to helping individuals and organizations do that. Yeah, and that's how I energy, describe myself. And your <laughs> energy, Yatunde. So Thank you. Your book really for me, explores an area that is very untouched. Mm -hmm. As far as my experience uh, from the reading that I've ever done. Uh, so this idea of putting love into work, um, how, where did you get that idea? Crazy. <laughs> Do you know, my background is, I've got a, a varied background. So at the moment, I, I work as a portfolio non-executive director. I've got my own consulting business, et cetera. And I run a, a not-for-profit CIC called the Enjoyable Life Series. But before that, I, I grew up in Nigeria. I'm Black and female. I've driven a lot of change in organization. My background is HR. Um, I was the global head of HR of the commercial divisions of a FTSE 25 business, driving growth across 165 countries. I led large-scale transformation, changed an operating model, led a program to change the operating model of a business from one that's manufacturing-led to one that's marketing. I've done, I've led redundancies, made, I've been head of people integration. So I've seen across different types of organizations, whether it's large scale FMCG, the controversial business world, et cetera. I've seen so much change. I've, I've, I've been at the helm of recruitment decisions and, and, and. And I've come to appreciate that unless you are coming from a place of love. You can never fully achieve what it is you are trying to achieve. Mm. 
And love to me is that unconditional acceptance of all of who you are, what's and all. Because when you're in that place, you create an, you create an environment for another person to be fully accepting of all of who they are. So it's loving yourself and loving other people. That's what I mean. And if you don't have that, then every time you're dealing with people, it's about the short term. It's about the, 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 the commercial result at the end of the day. So this is why I believe that love actually is the only way that organizations can make a difference, a real difference in society and for their people. You mentioned in your book uh, three reasons why love is difficult to have live, if you will, in business. One of them, culture, the second, DNA, and the third, as I understood it anyway, okay. it's not professional. Yeah. I, I want to say a fourth one because okay. I'm going to challenge this. and it, it Basically, he's pointing the finger at me. Presence of men. <laughs> Do you know, Minta, in fact... <laughs> In the world, in the world of diversity and inclusion today, or inclusion, inclusion and diversity, as I see it, or equality, inclusion and diversity, as I see it, the 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 big bad wolf in many contexts is the white male. Um, actually, quite different to that. In my personal experience, a lot of the bricks I've had in the corporate world, in my very successful career to date, have been handed by the white male. One. Secondly, when interviewing my book, I actually experienced a willingness to explore what love really meant much more from the white male than from any other type of person from the from the woman, whether white or black. That's the second thing. So I'm not sure. I'm not saying that um, uh, uh, um, <laughs> I can understand why, because when you look at the Me Too movement, when you look at sexual harassment cases, they've been the purveyors have been men. But what I'm trying to say here is that we shouldn't put all men in one box or all white male in one box. That's wrong. In fact, that's contrary to the notion of love, as I see it. Because when you when you come from a place of love, you're willing to accept the person for who they are. It's not that you accept bad behavior. I'm not promoting bad behavior at all. In fact, I abhor it in the way that I define bad behavior. What I mean is being willing to separate the behavior from the person and see what a person is trying to do. That's what love is. So when you talk about men in organization, yes, of course, sometimes you have the alpha male, you have men who are bullies. I've been bullied by men. I've been undermined by men, absolutely. But that doesn't mean I believe all men are terrible. And I think actually it's the men in organization, those who are leaders, if they have love in them, they're the ones that create the opportunities for people, they create the opportunities for diversity, they create the opportunities for different departments in organization to bring their best, they, they're more purposeful, and, and, and. So I think men, yes, and men, no. Hmm. I love that answer. Of course, I should say somehow, but um, <laughs> I, I've always, uh, when I went to university in America, I, mm -hmm. I studied as my minor women's studies. And and so I've in this vein. What was your major, Minta? What was your uh, major? Trilingual literature. Okay. And uh, and so I had a couple of courses that were, that actually 
corresponded to both. And, and one of them is basically the idea of looking at, at different languages through the eyes of women. Uh, or like, what would a woman's take on this story be? What is a female narrative and all this kind of stuff it was really quite, I, I enjoyed it anyway. But it, it exposed my mind to the different ways that we are. And, and in the writings that I've done, I, I've obviously written a book on empathy. And the last book is really about how to be you in with warts and all, just like mm -hmm. you're saying. So I'm coming at the same, I think I, we, I end at the same point, but I go at it from a different angle. Mm -hmm. And certainly I... I believe that, like you say, there are no men and there are yes men, good men mm. and bad men in that respect. Mm. And, and the fact is that, unfortunately, we still are in a world that's dominated by men in the mm. corporate positions with power. Mm. So it has to be with them because uh, without them is not a probably a, a good place. Mm. But yet do I believe, in my experience, this notion of love is is got to be aligned or associated with this notion of emotions. Mm. And, and how do you how do you tell somebody let's go with infinite love but where do you, how much emotions should we bring into work how do you temper that as an hr person running certain businesses you know we can't yeah. run around all crying all the time because that's yes. probably not useful right <laughs> or spending time hugging only or listening only yeah. so tell us how you modulate that yes well the kind of love I'm talking about, which is why I think it's the most critical leadership capability ever, is the, is the love that allows you to have your emotions and not allow your emotions to control you. Mm. Because when you think about it, when you hug in times which are inappropriate or you hug someone who doesn't want to be hugged, that's not showing love. Love is saying I accept you and I see you as human and I'll respect your space. When we show emotions like anger, that's not love. But if, 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 but if we are also forgiving of somebody who comes and is angry and, and, and behaves badly, unlike them, that's also love. So for me, love is, it's relational. It's one-to-one. -one. It's taking the time to understand the person's who are in your team. And it also means taking the time to really understand yourself. What drives you? What emotions drive you? Where they're likely to show up? How you can, what, what is a message that you send by the various demonstrations of different kinds of emotions? A willingness to do that, a willingness to listen and, and be appreciative of that in the, in the people that work with you and work for you. So it's not about um, reacting willy-nilly because love is about saying, well, I know where I am. I've got to be myself with skill. I've got to be myself with skill and I've got to demonstrate a respect and a love for those around me. Whilst create, can you imagine coming into work and you're crying all the time or you're, you're very angry all of the time? How does that impact people who may have different cultures to you, cultural backgrounds? How would that impact people who have different behaviors to you? So you've got to constantly be, especially as a leader, constantly be aware of the context in which you're in. And in fact, when it comes to really mobilizing people to be aligned behind what you're trying to do, is using your emotion to inspire, to motivate. And there are times when you have to be vulnerable. Tears are okay. Tears mm. are okay. But are they genuine tears or are you using tears to manipulate? Love comes from an intention of wanting to achieve the good for yourself, for your team, for your organization, and for the communities your organization serves.
Wow, that's powerful, Yatundi. I just want to ask, just to make sure I understand, you, you, you use this expression, love with skill. Mm. And as I was listening to you, I wrote down two words, understand the context and, and operate with intention. Yes. Is that the skill? Absolutely. Understand the context. You've got to know where you're at. You know, you can't go to an organization that's going through a very, very, maybe a small business that's going through a lot of change. They're losing a lot of money. They've invited another leader from a successful business to come and share some ideas with them. And he or she comes in and keeps boasting about how they're making millions. That's that's not love. So you've got to be contextual. You've got to demonstrate and understanding and appreciation, compassion. One of the fruit of love is compassion. One of the fruit of love means, which is important to you, empathy. You've got to demonstrate that. And be and love is be yourself a skill. You've got to know who you are. In leadership, the self, the importance of self-mastery should not be underestimated. That, that mm. means you've got to know who you are. You've got to know what you're about. I, I totally believe in that notion of the I, understanding mm. the I and mm. getting through that. You also used another expression, which I'm going to note down and I'm going to follow up, which is leadership has emotions, but don't let the emotions have you, if you will. And I think that's a very interesting nuance. Mm. Um, or when you are talking to a CEO, and I'm going to just be generalist, but generally... I don't believe that the CEO is going to think love is the top thought. I've got to get business in. I got the new cycle, innovation. I, you know, I got to fire fifty people or whatever. Um, what is the 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 elevator pitch that says, "Oh, now I get it." Judo <laughs> Winter. When when I was conducting the interviews for my book, sometimes some of the CEOs were like, oh, my goodness, where do we start? But by the end of the interview, they had come around it. When they started to think about it, the, the, the biggest problems that keep a CEO awake, when you go down it, it's, it starts with a human being. Their biggest success ends with a human being. It's always about people. And the challenges of they face, of course, is because of the demands by the city. They've got to get the reports out. They've got to get forecasts out, et cetera, deal with investors, stakeholders. So one of the barriers, of course, that they've got to address is time, one. Secondly, quite a few people, CEOs included, I'm speaking generally now, are not the highest in the area of self-awareness. Mm -hmm. and how they come across. So there's something about that. And that's because a lot of CEOs, sadly, have yes sayers around them. And just mm -hmm. <laughs> People just want to climb up the career ladder and just say anything to please them. So they don't, I mean, they don't have any truth sayers. They don't have that Shakespearean fool in the, in the cabinet to say, look, look in the mirror. Let me tell you the truth. So you have those barriers. But then you have the gem CEO who gets it and appreciates that actually, if I'm looking to really improve on productivity, when are people at the most productive? When they feel great about themselves? When do people feel great about themselves? When they feel like they belong? When they feel valued, really valued? Then they're doing that. Then multiply that. So the very results I'm trying to create, actually, if I took some time to coach a bit more, to 
to listen a little bit more, to, to, to pay attention a little bit more, maybe I would get it. So, so, so they're starting to come round, yes. So this notion of time is critical. I love the yes. idea of the uh, full stuff. How have you? Everyone needs their full stuff in their team. It brings up uh, another topic, which I, I, I think is fundamental to the notion of love, is this concept of tough love, which you can bring through the comic strain if it's such an ego that you can't say anything to him mm. because he's so imbued with himself. And not aware, of course, as yes. you were saying about himself. Yeah. Tell me about the position, the 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 notion of tough love. How do you how do you articulate tough love in a corporate in, corporate environment? Yeah. Tough love in a corporate environment is being honest. I've sat around tables where I've had leaders say things like, "Oh, don't 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 give him that news yet because I just need him to pay attention to this at the moment. I've sat around the table where a leadership team flew in from Eastern Europe. They came to present their business case to, to have a bigger budget because they wanted to take a, a product to market in Moscow. And they, they came, they screwed up with their presentation. They didn't do a great job at all. And everybody around the table, including their boss, who had supported them in preparing for that conversation, said, fantastic, awesome. When they left the room, straight away, the CEO turns around to the table, and I'm making notes, and said, what do you think? Oh, that was awful. This was this, this was that. Complete opposite report. They weren't going to get their ask. They weren't. And then I asked the question, but who's going to give them that feedback? Oh, well, let's not disappoint them. They've flown all this way and we'll do it in time. This is what happens. This is why people sometimes lose their jobs because the tough love, because tough love actually is saying that you matter. You matter enough to me that I'm going to deliver this message, which may not be the best for you in the short term, but believe me, it's going to help you. You may not like it because nobody likes being criticized in that moment but if it's done with the right intention if it's done from a place of love as in i care about you i care about the family you support i care about the people you represent i care about the team in which you work i'm going to spend the time to give you this bad news i'm going to spend the time to help you about it whether that whatever that bad news but because i know right for you now that's love it might be tough but that's real honest love and we all could do with a lot more of it and i agree i have a wife who's very capable in that category and so i wanted to go down one more route with tough love you you mentioned it's bad news it's you're not going to like this uh two things one is the the notion of a reprimand is that mm. part of tough love and two the how do you dissociate your emotional desire? That was a piece of shit piece yeah. of work. Yeah. To how you deliver the criticism, the tough love, because, you know, I, I, if I tell you, you told me that was a piece of shit. That was really, this is better for you to know. I want you to know mm -hmm. this tough love, honesty, but you really, that was shitty. Mm. It, that, the, the, when I, my emotions have carried me, I'm telling you as it is. So I'm being authentic yeah. with me. Yeah. But at some level, that reprimand can feel like a humiliation. Yes. And this is why you've got to be relational. There's, there might be one person that you can, that's shit. And you can say, that's shitty. 
And they will accept it because of the quality of the relationship you have, the level of rapport, the depth of relationship you have. And they know, oh, that's Minta. Okay, I'll take it. That's my boss or that's my colleague. And with somebody else, they're more fragile and they wouldn't take it. And it's up to both of you. That's why love is relational. It's always about the person. It's one-to-one. What one person will accept and just take off their shoulders, oh, that's him being him, it will be wrong for another person. So as a leader... And this is a leadership capability. You've got to understand the people in your team and you've got to you've got to meet them where they're at. And because you're also leading leaders, because we all are leaders. I also the person on the receiving end has got to be contextual. Can I be forgiving? Can I let this go? Or do I care enough about this person, even though this person is the gatekeeper to my career progression or the gatekeeper to that budget I want, whatever, or that promotion, et cetera, that pay increase. Do I care enough about how they're being experienced, not just by me, but by others, to have them in a room and say, this has got to stop and help me. let me help you understand why. Because love is two ways. It's not just one way, it's two mm. ways. Both of us as leaders are relating. Somehow in that context and understanding of the relationship, the fact is that the person who just berated me has the title of CEO. So that is a qualifying uh, understanding context that tends to warp that and say, well, he's allowed to speak to me like that because he has the title of CEO. So so the issue then is a person talking back at my commander in chief or the person who is the gatekeeper of my career, as you talk yeah. about it, it sounds like a tricky place for me to be able to walk back, you know, like talking yeah. back and say, whoa, 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 you don't need to speak to me like that, dude. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, Minta, this is the reason why there are many CEOs that need to understand and get hold of my book, because many of them themselves probably haven't even experienced love and they, they, they haven't had it on the way up. But one of the things that I really appreciate is that the CEOs that are interviewed in my book talked about the importance of really understanding the, the gravity of your role. And I would say to any CEO out there, if you don't understand what it really means to love, and to understand value, genuinely value your people and honestly see them as much more than it means to your own end, then if you can't do that, then get out of your job. Because we need CEOs who are servant leaders. We need CEOs who are who are purpose-led leaders. We need CEOs who at the root of all they're doing is the love for their people, a love for their consumers and the love for their customers before self. That's what we need. So sadly, we have some CEOs who behave the way that you said, Minta, but in my book is a wonderful CEO of an organization called Headbox that even what are the things he did, understanding the, the, the how important his role is and the message. You know, when a CEO whispers, it's like a foghorn blowing right through the organization. He changed one of his behaviors for his business at the center to show love show love now if a CEO can do that that's amazing and we just need to have more and more CEOs of different types of organizations start to come to the party on this because it really goes beyond engagement this is beyond an engagement survey and let's all be happy no this is about saying we matter 
the people matter, society matters, community matters, climate matters, sustainability matters. Let's make a difference. Otherwise, we wouldn't even have COVID today. I think if somebody somewhere really mattered, Minta, if they thought something really people mattered, maybe, just maybe, COVID would have been prevented. Maybe. You know, we can all hope, can't we? This is true. And uh, when you, you're the title of your book, Beyond Engagement, it's, it's fascinating because obviously we can read all the surveys that say that 70% of employees, more or less, uh, describe themselves as disengaged at work and and yet leaders continue to pontificate and run on about and haven't opened the store. Uh, my, my angle has been through empathy. Uh, that's sort of the biggest angle that I continue to, to roll in on without going all the way to love. But I, I love the way your book has so many different interviewees talking from positions of power, from positions of operation. And, and so it's not like just you know, academics talking about it. This is operational people like you have in your experience. Mm-hmm. Last question for you um, really is as an author, um, having written this book and, and launched it in the pandemic, um, I, I wrote a book about empathy and and the challenge then for me was to stand up or act in the way that I was writing. Uh, and And so there are times when I find myself not being fully empathic and I get called out. So you've written a book about love, Yetunde. How does that? How has that shaped or changed or impacted your own version of you within your circle? Because you know all your friends, presumably, and colleagues from wherever you studied, um, saying, "Well, Yetunde, you know, you are the the element of love." Was that always lovely? Are you always loving? <laughs> You know, I try to be loving, Minta. I try. And, you know, the, the, the beautiful thing about human beings is that they can be some of the most unlovable people in the entire world. That's who we are, isn't it? But what I try to do, for example, is in organization, when I'm invited to talk about the inclusion, equality, and so on, or diversity and equality. I always bring it back to inclusion because inclusion for me um, can, can, cannot be possible without love. And so I try myself to be inclusive and accepting of people, of who they are, um, people that will have different, completely different perspectives to me. You know, we can agree to disagree and let's, but let's, let's examine this together. When I, when I, upset or offend someone at home, even with my family, you know, my, when I, when I, cause my passion can sometimes explode with anger and like, and, but I'm quick to apologize, much faster to apologize and apologize genuinely in a way that has the persons I've offended accept me much faster. I've, I've got a, a diverse network of of friends, you know, I've got friends who are homeless. I've got friends who are CEOs. I've got friends who are in government of different classes, different races, different sexual orientations. I've got friends that, I mean, I feel very rich because of the diversity of my network. And I think that's because I come from a place of love. So I'm not perfect. I mean, there are those that would say, 
some things about me, but I think, and so, and, and I would agree with them that are not pleasant and I would fully agree with them. But the, 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 the thing about love and studying it, it, it and, and really believing so much that it's the answer, it has me want to master myself more and more mm-hmm. and, and has me want to be the best that I can be. And it's become a, an I have become evangelical about it because I see the 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 pain and the and the opposite of what business want, what leaders want happening because they're not paying attention to what matters and what really makes this difference, whether it's in the world of mental health, in the world of productivity, in the world of reaching the bottom line, in making innovation, developing people, promoting, enable, enabling creativity, and and and. It's all about love. So I'm doing my best and I'm being an advocate and also working on myself in the same way too. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody is perfect. Amen to that. Amen to um, that, yes. <laughs> I, stand, I stand up and say yes. So um, I obviously am going to encourage people to get beyond engagement, love-based leadership organizations. One Thank last you, word. Lisa. You are the founder of Solaris, which I believe is launching. Yes. Just give us a little little pitch on that and then uh, where and people can find oh, you. Oh, thank you so much, Minta. I would love it, you know, if you could uh, promote this for me and share it. Solaris is a, is a leadership program targeted exclusively at the Black female professional and executive in organization. It could be from a variety of organizations. And the reason why is having worked my way up to where I am now, I've had lots of scars and, 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 and wounds on my back and on my face. And if I can ensure that other black women coming behind me can have can avoid one or two of my pitfalls or have things a little bit easier, that would be awesome. And given this fantastic, high potential, talented women to come together as a group and learn together. That would be amazing. It's a one-year program. It's a combination of offline and online training. It will have coaching and opportunity to drive forward a business objective, a personal objective. The faculty are diverse and world-class, amazing faculty. So if you, if you want to find out about it, www solarisleadership.com or drop me a line at yetunday at yetundayhoffman.com and I would love to to talk to you about it to your listeners about it and uh, it's launching in April and there's only 30 places it's an exciting program thank you yes you are most welcome. I I I know some people I will certainly be sending this uh, to Thank you, Minta. Um, all right, my pleasure. And to follow you, get your book. What are, what are the best ways to? Uh, yes, my book is on in... Amazon. It's on Amazon. It's in Blackwell, says in Waterstones, and other leading bookstores. It can also be downloaded. People can write to me directly as well at yetundayhoffman.com. I can send them a book. Um, they can, if they want to follow me, I'm on Twitter at yetunde y e t u n d e h. And I'm also, of course, on LinkedIn. So I'd, I'd welcome um, connections as well on LinkedIn. And we can like, carry on the dialogue. Yeah. Absolutely. I love the fact that you have the H at the act. Yetunde. That's right. <laughs> a, a, that sounds Canadian. All right. Been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. Thank love you, your energy. Minta. Really I love appreciate your, love your it. message. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having listened to this episode of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find all the show notes and other blog posts on mintodial.com. And if you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts to give a rating and review. And to finish, here's a song I wrote 
with Stephanie Singer, a convinced man.
world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.